Hi, welcome back. My name is Justin Little, host of the Mental Wealth Podcast. Now available on Apple, Spotify, and Google, and heard in 25 plus countries. Thank you so much for listening today. To reach out to us on Instagram, please follow us at the mental underscore wealth podcast. For collaboration, sponsorships, and partnerships, please email us at contacttmwp at gmail.com. As always, please take the time to invest into your mental wealth and well-being. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Justin Little, and this is the Mental Wealth Podcast. Let's do this. I'm excited. How do I start? How do I start this episode? So you know. Um, you know what's funny? My very first episode, episode one, like I didn't know how to start it. I think I said something really corny, like, um, "Is the mic turned on?" So <laughs> I like, that's cute. So since this is gonna be the last episode of the season, like, hey, is is the mic? Is it on? <laughs> Are you there? No, that's cute. Oh, it works. I okay. Like that. I like I am um, your humble host, Justin Little, the Mental Wealth Podcast. I'm here with a special guest, Mecca Amani. How are you today? I'm good, Justin. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. We've traveled uh, to meet here and to record. We're in the library in D.C. Mm-hmm. And um, you came down from where are you from? Jersey, South Jersey. Oh. So I'm all the way. <laughs> I came all the way from South Jersey. <laughs> Jersey, right? Is Jersey. that? No, oh, okay. Jersey. Is that basically Philadelphia? No, it's not. Because okay. if you if you call South Jersey Philadelphia, Philly people might be mad. Jersey people might be mad. So no, South Jersey, South Jersey. But where y'all from? I'm y'all from y'all y'all are Eagles fans, though, right? For the most part. For the most, be, absolutely, okay, okay. yeah. For most people are, yeah. My people from Philly. Yeah, so Philly. I just, yeah, you know, I'm an Eagles yeah. fan. So. Eagles fans for sure. So, um, w- nice to have you today. Um, tell the audience like how we met. So listen, um, it was a very interesting story. We met at the Mental Wealth Expo in New York City, um, up in Manhattan. Charlemagne threw a Mental Wealth Expo. Um, and the way I met Justin, he actually stood up and spoke. Um, and his vo- the way his voice projected was actually, it, it caught my attention. I was actually facing front. I never told you this part of the story. I was in the front seat. Um, oh. Yeah, I was very front row. I was facing the stage. Uh-huh. And when you stood up, you were behind me. So, okay, you, you raised your hand to stand up and you spoke. What turned me around was your voice. Not what you said. It was literally oh. your voice. It was like... It was so deep and profound and just, I don't know, it was like, I need to speak, I need to speak with him, you know, um, and what you said, um, it resonated with me and it was brave. That moment I wanted to get up and stand up and speak, but I didn't, you did. Yeah, so. I took that opportunity um, because they were asking for speakers. Someone had spoke first on the left side of the room and I was just yeah. like, I was sitting right next to the mic. I was sitting on the edge so the mic was right there and I was like, I was looking around nobody's coming so to, for reference for the audience listening in they've heard this clip before because i played it on the mm-hmm. pod but um michelle williams from destiny's child and then jay barnett who's a therapist now but he used to play in the nfl she was interviewing him and then at the end uh they asked for questions yeah. so my question of course was like about the connection with music mental health and i also said something to jay about something he said i think he said uh you're only as sane as your secrets and i was like that was powerful yeah, for deep. me yeah so i commented i talked about being a podcaster yeah so this was earlier in the day so maybe like an hour or yeah. so later and yeah we're in a breakout session right yes 
Breakout rooms, yes. Um, with Shanti Diaz. Mm-hmm. I think that was the room we was in. That was the last breakout room. Um, I don't think you... Did you speak in... You did speak in that room. At the very end, you did. You spoke a little bit. Um, did you did. Just okay. a little bit. You, okay. you shared about the podcast a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. But then I waited to... Because I remembered you. I waited to speak to you... Um, you were talking. You were speaking with some guy. So yeah, I Josh. His name is Joshua Donaldson. Yeah. So Josh is from a place called When the Music Stops. He has mm-hmm. big following on Instagram, like 30k. He used to be in the music industry. He's um, suicide survivor, and he started that charity to raise awareness. He's had like conferences and all that stuff. He's good friends with Dr. Alfie. Dr. Mm-hmm. Alfie invited him there. Okay. So full. That's funny. Me and him had already connected on social media, yeah. and then when he spoke. I was like right next to him. I'm, he says, "Yeah, I'm Joshua," yeah, and I recognize I the name. I look back. I'm like, yeah. "Oh snap!" So then, once the breakout session was over, I started talking. And I'm like, yeah. "Yo, hey, Josh, you know me?" He's like, "Yo," because we had already been talking about doing a podcast yeah. that we have not done yet, Josh. If you're listening, <laughs> but we're going to do. And so then, you came up to me. I thought you were coming up to speak to Josh. No, I was coming up to speak to you. I wanted to speak to you. Um, I don't know why. What what that what that was. Mm-hmm. Um. I just knew I was meeting somebody that I could learn from. And I love mm-hmm. people that are, one, smarter than me um, and that can teach me things. And I knew that you would be able to teach me things. And I knew that because you shared your story and you shared where you were and what you learned from it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't just share the negative. You didn't say, oh, I'm in this bad space. You said, no, I'm in this bad space, but this is what I did to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need people like that by my side. And I, and I was right. And <laughs> we spoke and we built the connection. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. It was because I really looked at you. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I thought, because yeah, I'm like, this guy, Josh, he has more clout than I do. He's like, no, I'm trying to speak to you. I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, what? And, and so that's then, the thing about me. I, clout? What, yeah, what yeah. is that? Like, what is yeah, clout? Well, I care about the yeah. person, you know? Um, yeah, we were there to network, uh, but I didn't even speak I didn't even speak to Josh that day. It right, was right. about you, and I think we're supposed to be here today. That's that's how yeah. you know, you know? Meant to be, meant to be, yeah. yeah. So, so we, we connected. We got a chance to chat. We shared information about the podcast. Yeah. You, you told me about um, what you're doing, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. And then, you know, we exchanged some information, and then I didn't see you, like, the rest of the day. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot going on. But then by chance, <laughs> just by chance, after it was all over, and I, I was there for a little bit afterward because I had already, like, took a, I took, already took a picture with Charlemagne uh, by that point, but, like, I was just trying to, like, meet and greet some more people. He was being bamboozled yeah. bam- bombarded <laughs> with a lot he went from story. this space to here he, and purpose. big big wax like i'm a tall guy Listen, wax is bigger than me a, like shout out to wax man if you're listening to wax, wax is real. the man the um, <laughs> so we did that and then i'm heading back down the escalators like heading out to yes. leave and go back to my hotel and you're leaving out at the same time so like you i followed you out because yes. you've been in new york well i've been in new york a lot but i didn't know where i was okay. for the most part so you knew your way out yeah. and then you know you were telling me you're going to the train and we was definitely going to connect i was yeah. going back to the room yeah but it was just like a, it was just like a chance thing yeah it, it, it definitely was and i'm glad it happened um yeah but yeah why are we here today well yeah so we're here today um just to talk and to share but before we get to that like i mean tell us a little bit about who mecca amani is okay. what you stand for any anything like what what what, you, what do you have going on what do you do? Um, so me, Mecca Imani. Um, so Mecca is my first name. Imani is my middle name. And it's pretty much what I go by mm-hmm. instead of first and last name. <laughs> um, but I am a social worker. Um, I work for the state of New Jersey. Um, and I do, I have a project campaign running right now called the ICU Project, which will help six children um, receive free therapeutic services on January 6th from South Jersey Coping Clinic um, in Marlton, New Jersey. And the special thing about South Jersey Coping Clinic is one that it's woman owned and it's black owned as well. So this is the only woman in black owned clinic in South Jersey. Um, and I don't know how familiar you are with South Jersey, but or just the black mental health anywhere. It's not common to find black providers okay. at all. It's not easy. Especially, I think Jersey is one of the worst places to be, you know, one with autism. Um, not not even if you're white, black, it doesn't matter. Okay. If you have autism, Jersey's the the, the less resourceful um, state to be in. Um, but mental health as well. We were lacking black providers. So uh, I thought it was special and I thought it was important to do the work with her. Um, and what it'll do is send children ages five to 21 to therapy for free for eight to 12 weeks. Hmm. 
So, like, what made you, obviously you're a social worker, um, you deal with kids, mm-hmm. right, um, and families, but, like, what just made you want to, like, why, yeah. why? Like, obviously, like, we know the need, but, like, yeah. why, why was it passionate for you? For no, it's, I'm glad you asked my why. <laughs> my why is because I think it was last year, around this time, probably October, I hit, like, a dark space. And I, I felt like I put myself there purposely because I studied mental health for six years. You know, um, that's what we do. But when I was put into my dark space, AKA my depression, I couldn't get myself out. And I couldn't understand how I couldn't get myself out as a mental health professional. Like how could you not know how to, you know, heal yourself essentially. Um, and I also realized during that time, I don't know how someone else may get through this. If I'm feeling like this in the dark and I've studied it for six years and I can't get myself out, how will the next person or next kid or next little black girl get herself out? Um, so I wanted to be that person to that you know f- figured out how to help the children that may be in the dark just like me. Um, the way I got myself, I say I put myself in the dark because I started like investigating my childhood. I never, I never suffered from depression or little anxiety but I was I was always happy I thought I was I was bottling things up I wasn't really finding myself but I started to find myself and I started to ask questions about my parents and things like that and those answers made me sad so in finding myself I lost myself as well and um I found myself again and I realized like the work needs to be done and I, and I want to be the one to put the work in um, there's nothing like hearing, uh, um, I don't want to call it a survivor story, but it's nothing like hearing advice from someone that has been there. I don't want to sit with a person um, that doesn't know how I'm feeling. It's harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's powerful. I just want to be be what we need, hmm. you know? Be the change you want to see. Be the change I want to see. So when you were going through things as a child, do you feel like if therapy was, like, did you, did, well, let's start there. Did you do therapy as a kid? No. Okay. Therapy, what? Oh, what's therapy, therapy? Yeah, therapy. what is that? What, what word is that? What is that, right? That's I was 20, word. yeah, no, I was 25 going to therapy, and my mom was like, don't don't tell her my business. You, you tell her my business? <laughs> Literally, that's me at 25, so I can't imagine me at, what, 6, 10, mm-hmm. you know, growing up. That was never happening. I was talking to a girl the other day, and... By the time the listeners are listening to this, they would have already heard this episode, hopefully. But she mentioned that um, her mom said something similar. Black households. Yeah. Why are you, why are you putting our business in the streets? Yeah. Why are you talking about, you know, family stuff? And what I told her is, like, your experience is your experience. Like, don't let anyone muzzle you or keep yeah, you absolutely. from sharing what happened to you. Other people will try to gaslight you by saying, oh, well, you're putting our business in the streets. Well, if something happened to me, you can't keep me from speaking about it. You yeah, can't. Absolutely. Because that's how we heal. Because we, we heard at the conference. Exactly. Like, and we're going to go back to the conference in a second. But, like, the conference talked about you can't heal what you're unwilling to reveal. I think, um, Jason, I, think Jason, I think Jason Wilson said yes. that, right? So my thing is... If I'm not revealing what happened to me as a kid, then, or as a child, teenager, adult, whatever, Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to really heal from that. Almost impossible because I'm basically holding within and and basically pretending like it never existed. Michelle Williams, when she got up, it was really impactful to me. She said, hey, look, see this rug here? All y'all been doing is brushing your issues underneath the rug Mm -hmm. for so long. You ain't cleaning nothing. So. Yeah. That's kind of how I've been feeling um, a lot. I've seen that a lot in the black community, particularly. So that's like looking in that conference that day, watching the majority, 95 percent of everyone was some type of person of color, Hispanic, black, Literally, different I shades. would say 98 percent. 98? <laughs> yeah, because it was a lot of black maybe, people. Maybe Josh was the only white. Maybe Josh and whoever yeah, was winning was the only white. But they down with us. They down with us. Tell me, sure. like, in general, like, how did that day... Um, how did that day affect you at all? Like, that day, how, how, like, how did that I affect say you? the Mental Wealth Expo literally changed my life. It changed my life. Mm-hmm. It really did. Um, it opened me up. It allowed me to understand, like, it's not only me, mm-hmm. and it's not only your client, your, mm-hmm. your clients that you work with as well. It's literally all around the world. Um, it also helped me value men more, black men. In a way. Like, I always loved black men. 
But after that expo, it was just like, nah, black men, like, they have to be put first. And I don't know why, but I just, I see black men as kings now. Because we, we rule the world, like, that's why. I, I, I can't disrespect one. Like, I just can't speak in a certain way about one anymore after that. Like, and I get emotional because it was real. Like, mm-hmm. black men are really kings. The, the moment that was most impactful there for me was the moment when Charlemagne started to cry. When he got hugged by three um, black men. I, I talked about that <laughs> a lot in the pod because I never saw my dad cry. So for anyone who's, who's listening, first-time listeners, quick story. Um, Jason Wilson, look him up. He's wrote a book called Battle Cry. He's amazing. He said a lot of things that stuck with me. But he was giving some affirmations to Charlemagne and said, look, man, you're a great dude. I've seen your growth, all the things you've come. And, like, Charlamagne, like, he started to look down. And you're front row. I'm close to the yeah. front, too. And I'm like, what's going on? He got quiet, and he looked down. He looked, and you could see he was visibly shaking. He was crying. And then those other three black men on, on the stage, Ryan Mundy, former NFL player, Jay Barnett, uh, and then, of course, Jason Wilson. And actually, it was four, because then even the host. I can't think of his name. Yeah, uh, uh, his name? Malcolm he is, or something. He has a very good voice. We love you. I'm yeah, sorry. I can't think of his name. But <laughs> he, get you. Your uh, voice is... But he got up. It was four black, and they all hugged him, and they grabbed him. Yeah. And they, they showed him love, and then he walked off. I thought so that was they, so powerful. Yeah, so what they said was they were giving him his flowers mm-hmm. without allowing him to respond. Because right. oftentimes, when people are giving us our flowers, we'll... we'll um, you know, respond back, giving them their flowers. When no, they said to him, like, no, we don't want you to say anything. Receive this, accept it, and to listen to someone, like, speak to you, speak highly of you, I, I can only imagine how emotional that made mm-hmm. him. We don't know mm-hmm. if Charlamagne's dad ever spoke highly of mm-hmm. him. We don't, grandfather, uncle, mm-hmm. we don't know that. Mm-hmm. But they did that day, mm-hmm. and that hit him. Yeah. And that made me understand, like, black men need healing and he yeah. you know well he spoke about it later on 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 uh his, on the show um he was asked about it because actually i i don't know if i think i sent you the clip you know i got a chance yeah, to yeah, call, yeah, I, I got a chance that. i called in and talked to him about it and then afterward him and envy uh were like joking about mm-hmm. oh you was you was crying like you know they yeah. got a they were joking on the radio it's like you just crying like well hey bro to be honest with you like i never heard those things growing up never. so hearing that from a man that i really respect and appreciate affected me and for me, I'm a similar way where like I never saw my dad cry. I never, mm-hmm. I never really heard some of those things I needed to hear, some of those affirmations, mm-hmm. and that's important exactly. in a black man's, Absolutely. a black child's mind, and then particularly as you become an adult. And so, that was like the most impactful thing for me. The whole like was a lot of things, meeting a bunch of people, shaking a bunch of hands. But like that day, like that weekend, mm-hmm. I was probably like, not probably like I was very suicidal. I was very low. I was mm-hmm. going through it mentally. By even that night, recorded an episode that now has been released mm-hmm. called. Uh, 7 p.m. in New York, where I talked about being suicidal, being so sad, but like I came to network, I came to talk to people like you and mm-hmm. meet Charlamagne. I got the picture with him, met Dr. <laughs> Alfie and yeah. Shanti Das and um, Jay. Bar- like I met all these people. Michelle Williams got a picture. Yes. Great, shook hands, talked about my podcast, and and some important things that are about to happen for me are coming from that day. Yet I still Legit. was so low. I went after I left you. You went your way. I went back to my hotel room and I cried. Because, like, it was so powerful for me. And I recorded an episode. I never intended to release it. I sent it to about five or six people, including Charlemagne. Dr. Alfie was one of them who actually opened it, read it, listened to it. And the next day, she did an interview with Charlemagne, who, by the way, Dr. Alfie is from my home city, mm-hmm. Virginia Beach, Virginia, ironically. She said, hey, yeah, I got an email saying that today saved my life. I think his name was Justin. But yeah, he said that today. Say that like those. This is why we. I'm, and I legit saves. I, I, I listen. I'm <laughs> like, yo, this is full circle, and that by far was the most impactful day. The year is not even over, but that was the most legit. impactful day for me. And of it's the so whole year. funny you said the year's not over, Justin. That's not, a great mentality to have. Over. It's not over, but we yo. still have a couple more weeks left in 2021. But that was by far the most impactful thing for me, and the best thing I could have done because I was really broken, and unfortunately. Being a suicide survivor previously, being a former um, self-harmer, a lot of times people won't ever know. One of my best friends, he listened to it. He, he was like, dog, like, I'm so shaken. I'm so sad for you because I had no idea. Like, I'm your closest best friend. I had no idea you were feeling like that. He listened weeks later because he gets caught up. He listens yeah. to the episodes and he was like, dude, like, I had no idea you were that low. And that's how it happens. Like, people just up and they're gone mm-hmm. to suicide. And you're like, 
well, I missed the signs, what happened. Yeah. And I'd be that type of guy. Like you yeah. would never, ironically, I, my PTR um, for a lot of things on social media right now is the semicolon, Project Semicolon Project that talks about suicide prevention, Absolutely. where an author could have ended a sentence but chose to continue it. The founder of that, who founded it based off of the abuse that she went through, the tr- turmoil, suicide attempts, end up losing her battle to suicide. So she's now gone. She started a movement to bring yeah. it, but she, that's how powerful it is because no matter what position you're in, no matter how much influence you have, how many listeners I have, I still battle each and every day. And so Absolutely. it was just, it was a pleasure to have met you, met people and really just get some healing that I Same. needed. Same. Yeah. So from there going forward, like what, what has been some of the cool things that's happened for you? Like with your project, um, since then, I, like, what, what are some cool things you have coming up? And I know you, like, went to a gala as well. Yeah. Like, what are some cool things you've done? Yeah, so lately, it's been a little busy, a little bit, mm-hmm. just a little bit. But um, we did a pop-up shop back in October to get the project going um, to raise, you know, some funds. Also, I ended up just networking, ended up going to the Black Men Hill Gala to meet a few people. Um, and if you're not familiar with Black Men Hill, they're a nonprofit um, that provides free therapeutic services for black men. Okay? Mm, okay. Okay? Not so, the free free. So let's get into that. <laughs> let's get into Black Men Hill, okay? So um, Shout out to Taz and shout out to Doug, yeah, Uncle Doug, right? That, absolutely. Um, so, I, you know, I've been, you know, networking with Doug also. Uh, January 2nd, we're doing a brunch to, um, you know, host a brunch to raise, you know, even more funds, network, um, even get to speak to some people that donated because I didn't get to speak to everyone um, that has donated through the website at all. So, yeah, that's what we have. January 2nd, Uh, ICU Project Brunch. That's in New Jersey, right? Up in Jersey? Turnersville, New Jersey. All information on MeccaImani.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Brunch tickets are sixty five dollars. I just want, I just want my potatoes. I got my yeah, potatoes because yeah. the options. I, I got the grits. Well, make sure you get your potatoes. I got the grits and the fish, but I want a side of potatoes. <laughs> Who's was, cooking? Your my mom? mom. Yeah, so she's gonna listen to this. I'm. Oh, okay. Justin hey, hey, mom. I want potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> look, hey, look. Yeah. I want some brunch, and then before I go back to Virginia, because I'm, I took that Monday off. You sure did. I need, uh, I need some dinner too. So this will invite me back over. Funny. Like, well, what you cooking? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Because I know, I know. That's funny. If your mom's anything like you, I know she can cook. So yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. For sure. So, um, you've done the Blackman Hill collab. You, yeah. you got the brunch coming up, and then yeah. like once this project is over, right? Like, what's going to be? I know there's some. You mentioned to me off air some cool things you're hoping to do in your future. Like, you're doing the social work thing, but you're, you want to impact yeah. the culture, the mental health culture a little bit more. So what, tell us about that a little bit. My dream, you know, is to continue on the website, um, continue blogging. I also blog. I didn't even say that. I'm a social worker, um, blogger, you ain't a mother. You a blogger? Oh, my goodness. Come on. <laughs> Forgot, like, a, come a shirt on. designer? The yeah, focus like is the you? Mer- come on. Come Tune on. into the Instagram. Get into yeah. it. Get into it. <laughs> no, um... What was the question? I'm sorry. I lost uh, what's your plans after the brunch? Because I know. You, okay, once the brunch is over. Br- the well, br- not just the brunch. Well, let's just say the dreams. The well, let's let's say more specifically. Excuse me. Uh, when your project is over, like at the time yes. span when that's over, you're done raising the money. You raise whatever you could, yes. hitting the goal, not hitting whatever you're done, you could, and you put that project behind you. What's the next steps? What's the next phase for Mecca? So what we're gonna do is reach that 10k goal okay, let's do <laughs> on that. the sixth. That. That's what we're gonna do. Um, but after that, honestly. I want to keep advocating, um, keep running into people like you and keep building relationships that I have built, like, you know, with you. Um, I want to start a, co- a podcast soon to raise a well, to, con- uh, to continue raising awareness, awareness for mental health. Um, but I want to do it more so um, with creatives. I want to sit down with creatives and, talk, and discuss their mental health because I think when we are, like, as creatives, we go through so much and I think that's why we are creative <laughs> because we, we deal with, we go through so much and we have such um, unique stories. So I definitely want to sit with more creatives and even my friends to keep um, discussing mental health. I have this bizarre dream to launch an app that I won't speak about because okay. it's still a dream. Um, okay. But I just want to keep going you know i don't want to stop because i know the work i'm doing is like impacting people's lives tremendously like the dms i've gotten like from even friends just and i say i emphasize my um love for black men so much nowadays because i realized starting my blog and you know writing about what i've been writing about a lot of men contact me and say hey that really helped me men don't express themselves like men don't. don't yeah unfortunately men aren't able they don't have that safe space to say like 
I'm fucked up right now. I'm not doing well right now. I'm, I'm sad. I don't, something feels off. They don't have that time. They don't have that space. Um, and I realized, like, men in my inbox, they'll say, look, you validated how I feel, mm-hmm. you know? That's so cool. I don't want to take that for granted at all. Like, I'm really saving lives, and I, I want to continue to do that. Saving my own life, you know? My mm-hmm. blog literally saved my life. Stopped me from self-harming, you know? Mm-hmm. You're still here for, for a reason. Still here. Can't You're believe still it. here for a purpose. And so, like, talk <laughs> more about your life. Um, anything you want to share with us outside of we We know who Mecca Amani is, the blogger, mm-hmm. um, the future podcaster, the social worker, mm-hmm. um, your fundraiser, like, you know, everything that you're doing, right? But, mm-hmm. like, just... What's like when you're not working? Which, when I'm not working, this is like maybe an hour of the day because you're <laughs> Justin, you you, what? Al- you always seem to be working or always Justin. seem to be doing things. So for that one hour a day when you're not working or blogging or not in front of your computer, what do you like to do to like decompress? What what's your life like? What's important to you? What are your what are your values? What do you do for fun? No. You, have, you have friends? Yeah. <laughs> no, decompressing is like really. It's, it's, it's essential, let's just say. Um, I don't do it much. I'm like I'm a Capricorn for one. So when I focus on something, it's like I, it has to get done. Like, you know, I, I, I'm just a workaholic. But when I do take that downtime, I'm like working out, hanging out with friends or like eating. You know, okay. um, I love I've been playing racquetball. Uh, I just got a new gym membership. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I've been getting into racquetball, swimming, yoga. I do hot yoga weekly. So. Okay. I really just like to, I have to take care of self. I learned that um, very, you know, obviously going through the dark. <laughs> I had to, like, look, you have to figure out what you like to do and focus on that and, and take that and put that time aside. Because all this work, you helping people 24-7, giving yourself, pouring from an empty cup, you, will n- you won't survive, Mecca, like, at all. Right. So I have to sometimes shut this computer down and go to the gym. Shut this computer down just later. Force yourself to do it. Like literally lay there. Okay. You know? So that's that's me right now. But okay. I feel like that's what you do in your latter twenties. You work hard. Latter twenties. Latter twenties. Latter, I like that. Latter. Latter twenties. Latter twenties. So I mean, yeah, uh, you can feel free too. I mean, this this is an open discussion. You can mm-hmm. feel free to ask me anything you want to ask me. Like I'm, I'm I've been asked you a lot of different yes, stuff. So yes. you can ask me anything. So I wanted uh, to ask you, you know, what what made you start the Mental Wealth Podcast? Where did this come from? I know you have, you shared your struggles, but when did that start? I should say, when did your struggle start? On August 27th, 1992. Okay. I could say the same. <laughs> I could literally say the same. <laughs> but uh, when did you... So, so on yeah. that day when, I, I don't know how many ounces it was, but at 8.32 a.m. in the morning, um, all, all my life, right? Like, I was having a conversation with my mom the other day, and I was just saying, I was telling her about some things I experienced, because mm-hmm. she only thought, like, I struggled with my weight growing up, mm-hmm. which was a huge struggle. I was, like, almost 500 pounds at my largest and lost a bunch of weight, and but I was bullied, teased, all that stuff. But really, there was a lot of uh, lack of connection to my dad, lack of connection to my family. Um, I've talked about this in previous episodes, so I won't go into too much detail, but basically, one of the things that happened was, like, my dad had three other sons before my mom. And then when he met my mom, had me. Their mom had custody of them for like a period of time. But when I was a certain age, because he had been married to them, married to their mother before, he went and got custody of them. So like my first like memories was me, my mom, and dad, it was it. We had this nice house, four bedroom mm-hmm. house, lovely life. My brothers would come and visit, but they didn't live with us. Loved my brothers, but like, I was the baby. I'm the youngest of yeah. four. So then one day they move in. And I'm like, I'm feeling like to my, I presented my dad because I'm like, I felt like I wasn't enough. Yeah. Like, because I, I was like, I don't understand it. Now I understand like as a man, like I understand why he wanted custody of his son. He wanted to raise his son. I get it. I don't, yeah. I'm not mad. But for me as a child, going from having my mom, just me and my mom, and my dad to having three other brothers, going from having my own room to sharing a room, uh, them being forced to take me places because I wasn't really into sports and none of that stuff until later. I was a late bloomer. Yeah, so, so like my dad would make them like take me to go play basketball, mm-hmm. make them to go take me to do stuff with them. I'd rather be up underneath my mom. I was a mama's boy. Right. So like I felt like they didn't really like me. They only took me places because dad made them because it's nine years between me and my oldest brother. So mm-hmm. they were like, you know, teenagers and stuff. But nevertheless, the main thing was I also felt like resentment. I felt they resented me for being the love child of my mom and my dad, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was the child 
that they could look at it. Well, you're the reason why. Because yeah. all three of them, same mom, same dad. Me, different. So we look a little different. We don't look exactly alike. We have some similar traits, but they all look similar because they have the same two parents. We look a little alike, the different, um, because we have we just share the same father. Yeah. So all that growing up, being the youngest, then being the chubby one, being bullied by, by my I felt like I was being bullied at school and I would come home and be bullied at home so there was a couple times when I ran away I ran away from home twice wow. I ran away I started cut I did a lot of stuff I would act out in school I misbehaved I was suspended kicked out of school expelled twice um, I just was that kid and I was one of the I was the smartest mm-hmm. but I was doing dumb stuff because I needed attention I always felt like I was trying to fit in I always felt like um, I'm just trying to be something that I'm not yeah. because I never really felt like I had a place. I never really felt like I was firmly grounded, even in my own household. I felt like my only person that I had to have my back was my mom. And then constantly my dad, I felt like he was driving a wedge between me and my mom. I felt like he wanted for us to be closer. He didn't want me to be up underneath my mom. Like maybe he you know, thought I would come up a certain way. I'm completely different from any of that. But old school parents. Yeah, absolutely. Back then, spankings. Mm-hmm. He would be the disciplinist. So, like, it was so many reasons why. Like, I would never say hate, hates or stronger, but I really didn't like my dad. Yeah. We didn't have a good relationship at all. And I just felt, um, I felt, like, excluded. One mm-hmm. one day, I got beat up mm-hmm. um, by this older kid and my brother, who were 11 months apart. Um, he, he stood there. He didn't do anything. So, my dad got mad at him mm-hmm. later on. He got in trouble. Like, well, you let your brother get beat up and you didn't help. So then he sent my older brother back to go let him know, let the, the, the big kid know, like, yo, whatever. But, like, it's stuff like that. I just felt like I didn't have a place. So, fast forward, later in life, I start to get closer to my brothers. Yeah. Like, we start to build a bond. But in 04, my oldest brother, he moves to New York. He's been there ever since to become a missionary. 17 years he's been in New York. So this is, this is 04. I'm 12, 11, 12 years old. Oldest brother. Nine years apart, so he's, you know, 20, 21. He's gone. 06, January 06, my other brother's gone. The one right underneath him, three years. Mm-hmm. We're six years. He, me and him were really close. We got really close. He leaves home. He goes in the military. He does whatever. So then it leaves me and my other brother. We're only 11 months apart. So I'm 29. He's already 30. He just turned 30. We're in the same grade. Mm-hmm. We're starting our senior year in high school. This is 2009. Yeah. He turns 18 in 09. He moves out. And he's gone. So like we had been driving to school because one of the things that I got messed up and that um, got kicked out of school, I was homeschooled for a year. Mm-hmm. I got brought back to the school system. And because I was such a bad kid, my dad didn't want me to ride the bus to be influenced by peers. So he let my brother start driving to school earlier because his, his rule was always you had to be a senior and be a certain age to drive to school. Mm-hmm. He made an exception, even though we were juniors, and let him start driving so that I didn't have to have that Take peer the, pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. So we were used to that all, you know, all of early 09, January to June. We leave. Um, we become seniors. We take our pictures that summer. October, he's gone. So then I had to start riding the bus again. I didn't have that connection. He w- we still would see each other in school, but he went and go live with mm-hmm. his other family on his mother's side. So as soon as we got mad close, he's gone. And so then imagine, too, just as I got close to all of them, this is still, I'm still only 17 yeah. in 09. I'm a senior in high school, so I go through my whole senior year. My brothers are nowhere to be found. And then a lot of milestones in my life from, you know, turning 18, turning 21, buying my first house, getting fired for the first, like a lot of different stuff that I went through as a man, Excuse me, my brothers were nowhere to be found. Right. So imagine like having brothers in your life that can support you and like, hey, your your brother's gonna take the baby out. He finally turned twenty one. We're gonna take him out. Yeah. None like this different it's experiences like that. Sense. I never had that. And yeah. so I a lot of my twenties I spent lonely. I spent I was really sad. And um I did a lot of things that weren't healthy for me, like eating, cutting, um, drinking too much. I did a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing. Because I was still trying to find a home. Mm-hmm. I was still trying to find a place. Mm-hmm. I was still trying to find a unit, a culture. And I don't know if I ever quite did. I think one of my, like, my best way of handling things was pretending they didn't exist. Was compartmentalizing <laughs> everything. Literally. If, hey, this don't exist, I'm just going to cover this over by going and traveling and going here and there. And, just, and like, giving myself that temporary gratification. And it lasts for a week or so, maybe a month. And then you're right back into that really cold, lonely, sad space. Mm-hmm. And all of that, you know, through my journey, you know, there's been different ups and downs. But the reason why I really started the podcast back to one of your first questions is because I wanted that was my space. 
that became right. my home. Like I was saying the other day that my friend was saying, hey, man, you're more vulnerable. And you're, I hear things about you on the pod that you don't say in person. I said, hey, I hear you. But it's something about being on a podcast, mm-hmm. talk, talking uh, to myself for however long mm-hmm. that allows me to open up and feel like I finally have found a place. Right. So when I started it, it was initially like just talking about myself. And I told stories about my, my mindset, things that have happened to me, things that have affected me mentally. But then I kind of figured out, like, I didn't want it to be just about me. I wanted to interview people, talk to people. So I got on Clubhouse. I started uh, interviewing different people, like, reaching out. Like, Yo, you sound interesting. You're doing something in mental health. Like, come on the pod. Mm-hmm. And maybe, like, within the first nine episodes, maybe there was only two guests. And, like, the last 21 has probably been, like, 15, 16 guests. Amazing. And so, but that's also helped us to grow. But just to listen, like, because when I'm sitting here listening to you talk or I'm sitting here virtually listening to someone talk, I'm, like, learning from you guys. I'm like, oh, wow, like, that's, I'm writing notes, I'm taking, I'm like, yo, I'm taking, when I go to that conference, I came back, I'm taking gyms Mm -hmm. from there to help, like, it's, it's therapeutic for me. Mm -hmm. I do see a therapist, but this itself has been something that's, like, given Mm -hmm. me something to wake up and to be happy about, to be excited about, and it saved my life. That's amazing. I'm glad to hear that. How you feel about therapy? How's it been for you? How's your experience? Because a lot of, um, you know, black men just would never um, sit down with someone. So give give black men your experience of therapy because I, for me, say my amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I look forward to my sessions. But it's good. It's good out. now, but it doesn't start off perfect. So right. I want to set the expectations to like you're not going to just wake up and just find your perfect therapist and no. be like, oh my god, like not your therapist. first try. Like it, you may have to go through a few. Mm-hmm. Um, for some black men, you really do want someone that looks like you. You want a, a black therapist, whether male or female. For some, you it may not. But I would encourage you to explore both options mm-hmm. because it's, it's power for me, being 29, a successful you know black male entrepreneur working. Personally, most, well, I'll never say, oh, I don't like generalizations, but most 80-year-old white men, I ain't going to relate to. And they probably ain't going to understand everything that I'm talking about, everything that I'm feeling, simply because they haven't lived the life that I've lived. Absolutely. You can't talk to If I talk to you and say, look, I have anxiety and feel a way about seeing George Floyd die, even though I didn't know him personally, just because I saw the coverage, I saw what it did to my mentality and how that affects me each day that I get in my car, no matter where I am, no matter if I'm in the suburbs where I grew up or I'm in the city, I consistently think about that. And if I see lights flash, I get nervous. Mm-hmm. He can never understand that. If I'm talking to a therapist who's been through that, they can relate more. So, again, it doesn't mean that that's the, the, the equation for everybody. But if you are seeking therapists, try to you need, either way, no matter what color they are, try to find someone that can listen to you, relate to you, understand you and make you feel comfortable. Right. Sometimes you have to break up with your therapist, just like relationships. <laughs> yes. Right. It's like relationships. Listen, I li- a relationship don't work out. <laughs> so. I, I broke up with a therapist recently. I think it was like in March. Uh-huh. It was. The- <laughs> was, it, was it an amicable split? It was like a, no, it oh, wasn't. Okay. She was she was caught off guard oh. for sure because she was calling me like you know, but and I never explained to her why, mm-hmm. you know, why I couldn't go back. I just felt like she couldn't understand me, you know, Caucasian woman, um, older too, mm-hmm. late sixties maybe. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe maybe fifth maybe late fifties. Okay. Early sixties. So, you know, older, and I just, the stories I was telling, I would literally tell her stories of Ken and how I grew up, mm-hmm. and, you know, my dad. And, I understand you're, you're validating how I feel, mm-hmm. but you're, you aren't, that's all, that's all you're doing, is validating, yeah. you know what I mean? And, I can't really relate. Yeah, you're not so giving speaking me the of that, skill like, to keep, push forward, you know? So, so speaking of that, you, you mentioned, like, growing up, like, was your house, like, your parents, are you the only child, do you have brothers and No, siblings? actually, so... I have a brother and a sister. I'm the middle child okay. for my mom. And then with my dad, I am one of seven. And I am the only girl. <laughs> when you say one of, I'm like, oh, she about to say, like, <laughs> she about to say, like. <laughs> but I had to count, you know. <laughs> we about to say, like, ten of them. Yeah. So I seven, am okay. one of seven and the only girl. Um, mm, okay. Yeah. So you got a lot. Of, oh, man. You got some yeah. brothers to take care of you. No, I actually don't have a relationship with oh, him. Oh, Yeah, I didn't grow up with my father. He actually... So, you say your trauma started the day you were born. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the way you tell your story, your trauma didn't start until, you know, you started building that relationship with your brothers and your father. You, mm-hmm. you know, until you guys became one household, mm-hmm. essentially. That's what it sounds like. Okay, okay. Mine started the day I was born because it, my dad was not there. Okay. 
the person, the people that was there the day I was born was literally my mom and my grandma when I was coming out. Um, my entire life, the story I got from my father was that he was in jail. He was in prison at the time. That's why he couldn't make it. Um, but from my mom's perspective, it was like, no, he just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward, and I just found this out last year, which is why I went through like my depression and everything. It was just a lot of stuff going on that I just had to like heal from. Um, but my trauma really started January 16th at 8.35. 8.35, so yeah. three minutes later? Okay. Yeah, literally. I was born at 8.30, oh, p.m.? P.m., yes. oh, Okay, they said yeah. it. Okay, yeah. so at night, man, so you just couldn't wait till the next day. Uh, yeah, I know, I like that one sixteen. <laughs> like, I'm gonna just, just pop out? Um, yeah. So, like, your dad now, like, where y'all at now? We try. Okay. We, You know, I get, I get like, frustrated with him because I still feel like he has those tendencies of, like, mm-hmm. being in and out. Just not consistent. I feel like, I, I expect things from him still, and that's my fault. Um, but... I'm sometimes I'm okay like look I can deal with this and then other times like I, I just get in my feelings like look I don't want to talk to you right now because like the other day I needed him for something not too long ago and I told him about it I get on the phone he wasn't able to be there for me cool got it understand I'm grown you know um then I get on the phone with him weeks later and he tells me how one of my brothers <laughs> um, his car got he had to buy four new tires from one of my brothers mm-hmm. I'm like a couple of weeks ago I just told you I needed your help for something but you but you buying four new tires and a car for something you know mm-hmm. you've never done anything for me, my entire life yeah it makes you feel away it makes me feel away so I'm like you still have those sins so right now right now I'm like mad at my dad I can't say I can't lie I'm just There's something wrong with that yeah I'm just you know, I'm healing though. Like I, I tell, like I'm able to express to him, you made me feel this way. Before, I wouldn't even acknowledge that I had daddy, daddy issues. Mm-hmm. If you were talking to me, I would say, I don't. I just need my mom. Like mm-hmm. she take, she's taking care of me. She's my mom and my dad. I don't need a dad. Like what is that? Like mm-hmm. th- growing up until last year, girl, you need your dad, and it hit me, full force. Do you think? the relationship with your dad or lack thereof has affected your view of men or your relationship with men Hell and your yeah, selection your, and your, your selection of men I know it men. did can we not <laughs> yeah well, we ain't gotta go into detail I just wanted to ask that simple yeah, question so it has yeah, affected absolutely and okay. I can acknowledge that now before I wouldn't I didn't even know I had that issues but now mm-hmm. yeah cause it was funny cause I asked you that because a few weeks ago when I interviewed our friend um Alana yeah Future Dr. Alana. Shout oh, out that's right. Alana. Dr. Alana. Dr. Alana. Um, <laughs> she said because of her, now her and her dad are better now, but she mentioned that when he wasn't in her life, he was unemotionally unavailable. It caused her to get in the habit of choosing unav- emotionally unavailable men. Mm. I thought that was so deep. No, I mean, see, I feel like with, with some women, it may be like that. They may, they may choose men that are exactly, that mirror their father. Mm-hmm. Me, it was opposite. Okay. You might look like, you might resemble my dad and look, that's okay. the weirdest part. But the way, I, I can smell a deadbeat a mile away. Okay. I can smell a deadbeat a mile away. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, the men I've dated, I've had three boyfriends my entire life. Okay. Three. I don't, listen. Well, you're a long-term girl. I wouldn't say that. It's just okay. like I just chose those three to call okay. my boyfriend. Okay, okay, okay. Everything else was just, you know, okay. you, you just situation, dated. Situation, 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 situation. Yeah, right, right. To, yeah uh, what was we saying? I forgot. Back, back um, to uh, your relationship issues. Yeah, back to my. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I mean, everything, everyone else was just flings, you know, three boyfriends. So, mm-hmm. um, good picks. For okay. the most part, uh, they... Most of I would say most of my relationships they're mutual. They it's you know they don't end because oh you're this way or you're that way. Um, but I've never dated a man that wasn't a good father. Okay. I would say or just maybe I was too young for him to even be a father. But that's not even in their character. Um, my dad he's never dishonest. Mm-hmm. So you know he's not he's not a bad person. Just as a father you know he just wasn't you know there. He wasn't present. So. As far as dating men that resemble him, I don't think so. No, I, I legit did the opposite. So then what, so if you've been talking to men, right, that are different than your dad, what do you think has caused you, or let's put it this way, do you feel like you've been successful? Like, do you even, because even some in relationships that don't last, yeah. um, Forever. That doesn't mean it's a fail. Doesn't mean that it's a failure. Absolutely. Sometimes just things aren't just meant to. Uh, should be. There we go. 
Some, sometimes things aren't meant to be to last forever. Um, so do, would you consider like your relationship history successful? Or successful? <laughs> um, Have you learned lessons yo, from them? As a 26 year old woman, mm-hmm. it's been successful. I've learned some things. I, I've learned a lot about myself. I learned about a lot about others to where so I know my next relationship is my last. Mm-hmm. And that's, I say that with the utmost confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Serious relationship. Serious relationship. Right. Okay. Not like just dating casually, but like your next, like the person. Yeah. No. The person. My person that I say, look, you're the one. Like I said, I don't get in relationships. I there's to call for me to call you my boyfriend is like a lot. You know. Um, Like I said, I only had three. So. Yeah. Okay. I mean. So you just. I feel like I've been no. I don't have no horror stories. Okay. That's good. None. Like I, I've never dealt with cheating. Okay. I, I it's just it just may not work out. And it mm-hmm. may be me. Like it really it's I'm very you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm very like I push people away and it's okay. hard for me to open up. That's my that's where I struggle. Mm-hmm. I, I Why really, do you think that is though? I never have you know, listen, vulnerability isn't easy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that touchy feely I love you relationship I didn't have with my mom, I obviously okay. didn't have with my dad, like so showing that and, and, and saying, you know, and presenting that love is not easy for me. Okay. It's really not. I struggle with it. And I kind of just, like, let people go. Like, if that's what you want to do, by any means, go. Like, first argument, I'm like, all right, bye. You know, I, I tend to push people away, and that's my issue. But I'm, I'm working on it. That's why I say, like, you know, I'm getting better. That's why I know my next will be my last. I think it's powerful to, like, be aware of that, right? Yeah. Like, so, like, hey, look, hey, I can, I can be successful if, right? Like, better, better if statements, like, hey, yes. if I'm more vulnerable intentionally. Mm-hmm. So, because a lot of people, like, have had unsuccessful relationships and they don't know what's wrong. Oh, no, I know what's wrong. Like, I, like, <laughs> am, I can pinpoint, all right, here's why this and it works yeah, out. Absolutely. Because of this and that, or we're just not compatible, we're just not a good fit. Like, I don't feel this way. Whatever, whatever, feelings change. I think it's important for you to recognize that because in the future, if you find the right man to be vulnerable with, especially particularly a black man, I don't know, you know what you. If Listen, vulnerable. you know my husband's going to be black. All right, so if he's black. <laughs> see, I wore a shirt from Black Men Hill. Shout out to Doug and Taz that shed. I was in Vegas. Vulnerability is a new sexy. That part. And I was walking around like the ladies were like, "Hey, what?" Yes, it. That like, part. but it's an important message because women seek that in us, but we were taught to conceal that. So that's the miscommunication is that a lot of women naturally, now you might struggle with it, yeah. but women naturally want to open up and talk. Men, we we listen sometimes, but like we, hey, well, how was your day, babe? It was cool. Well, how was your day? Well, let me just tell you about what happened at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. the whole day. But I think that relationships can be healthier. Like if you're that way, like if you're more open, mm-hmm. it's going to make him like more attracted to you. Like not even on physical, like just mentally, emotionally attracted most men are going to attach to a female that we yeah. feel safe to speak to. Like right. most men, we want, I can't speak to all men, but most men, we want to be with a woman that's our best friend. We right. want to be with a because like, in my opinion, feelings can change up and down. You know, you get old, things happen, things, you know, whatever. But if that's really your best friend, like, you're my homie no matter what. Like, you have Absolutely. that bond with them no matter what. Like, we can hang, chill, talk about any and everything. Yeah. And I feel like I can't be judged. You won't judge me. I won't judge you. And we can just be ourselves. And then that's the foundation of any relationship. Imagine if you're in a relationship where you're not compatible. Maybe your feelings have changed. You don't love them like that. Just You just don't work out. If you at least had some foundation of being the best, like, it, it could make it bearable. Like, some people who stay in relationships say... But I don't want bearable. You don't have to want that. I'm saying, like... <laughs> like but there's people who stay... Bearable. There's people who stay in relationships like that where they have some type of support system. But imagine that since if you don't... If your feelings change romantically a little bit... Because people can fall in and out of love. That's what, yeah. I'm, that's what the point I'm making. Like, okay. feelings can be a little fickle. Like, if you can go through a rough period of time. We ain't dated. We ain't done nothing. And you reconnect. You go on a vacation. You kind of yeah. reconnect. I'm saying, imagine none of this exists. And then you also don't have this either. You don't have the friendship. Oh, it's nothing. Oh, it's, it's nothing. Yeah. Because now it's like, why am I even with you? Like, at least having this gives you a foundation to rebuild to that if you need to. Understand you that. hope that you never have to, but we're human beings. Sometimes yeah. people grow in and out of love or it just, you know, you disconnect for a little bit. People go through things and you have to reconnect sometimes. But I think it's important for a man to have that type of bond with I a agree. woman because it, ende- it makes it like, even if me and you beefing, 
it's like, yo, I can't wait to see you. Like, I can't wait to talk to you. And like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to be texting a whole bunch of the people. I, you the only person, that person is the only person I want to like reveal certain things to and feel and be vulnerable with. So I hope that you find a way to do that because that's going to really attract the right type of man to you and then get him to do the same thing. So then it's like a, it's a reciprocal thing, you know? So here's the thing. I don't have an issue with men opening up to me. You I don't have open an up to Okay. I have an so issue. So why don't you, if they're opening, opening up, so listen, what are you afraid of? I'm not a, I, I don't know. Like I'm just, a, like I'm, I'm afraid of people leaving and people leave. So I feel like when people know, why the, why am I going to give you all of me, the real me, when you're going to be gone soon? But you, okay, I get that. You're, you're literally, you're, you're, you may not be here a year from now. So I opened up, I shared all of myself with you, my secret, you know everything about me, you know what mm-hmm. I like, my dislikes. You, you know about Mecca, and now a year, from, a year from now, you know all those things for no reason. And now I have to heal, and then redo that again. So I just okay. rather not do those things. If or you, you want to open up, no, if you want to open up over here, that's cool. This is safe. I got you. Mm-hmm. And I know that. I, I, I trust myself enough to know that I won't hurt you. I don't trust you enough to know that you won't hurt me once you figure out all of me. So that's my issue. Okay, so is it something that you're afraid of that's within you that's going to make him run? No. Okay. No. So no. there's nothing... Cause you, I don't... Because so, knowing cause, me is like... Okay, so so there's nothing wrong with you, right? Sir, no, we, we, all, no. we all broke into it, but there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, I like... Okay. Yeah. Because, like, it could be that once a guy really gets to know you, maybe you're... Are you afraid that maybe he'll find something within you? No. So that's not the case. Great. Figure it out. Figure like, it out. I mean... Okay, so... But why not give the right guy a chance to get to... Because don't you think he would be more in love with you or be more that much more attracted, that much more closer to you if you open up layers? Not all of it, but just layers of yourself. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And I'm not saying so I if, don't if, open up. I, I, we're making it seem like I don't open I up at that. all. Okay, true, but true. like, I'm, I'm not surface. I'm not a surface level mm-hmm. girl. Mm-hmm. Nah. I open up, it's just... It's, 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 I, I'm deep. It's real life layers to who I am, and I know that. Um, so knowing, so knowing me, right? You might know me on a surface level, but you feel you might feel like you know me in depth. Mm-hmm. But I know you know me surface because okay. I haven't shared everything. You know what I mean? Okay. So I'm just such I'm I'm just full of depth that no one never really gets to know everything about me and it's so funny even my son's father I was in a relationship with him for years and he'll say like I learn something new about you every single day it's powerful and I'm just like yeah speaking like, of him do y'all have a good relationship today like yeah co-parenting, co-parenting is okay. amazing okay. amazing okay. I can't complain and how, at all. how old is your son five five yeah five but, uh, uh, kindergarten this year yes absolutely yes congratulations on thank that. you um, yeah, I mean, th- that's a powerful share. I hope and pray for for the best for you in the future because I think that vulnerability is the new sexy. It absolutely, and is. I feel like that's gonna only it. Obviously, with love and relationships, you have your. It, it's all on the faith. It's all taking a, a chance. But if you take the right chance with the right person, that I think that strengthens that bond of knowing that both of you guys are being vulnerable. There's always a risk, but you would hope that the right man would never walk away from a good woman. Okay. So. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Period. What they say? Period. Hello. Right. right. So um, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So I mean, uh, what what other than like ducking and dodging relationships, ducking and dodging (laughs) tough talks, and ducking and dodging text messages? Like what? What's what's your like? Stop. I'm saying. I'm just speaking. I just speaking true. Like what? What else be? What else be going on for you? Nothing, pretty much. Just trying to close this project out strong. Like I said, brunch on the second um, in Turnersville. So. Just working on that, trying to close the project out strong and make and make this 10k. <laughs> there's also one thing that you didn't touch on earlier. I don't what? know. What you said there's a goal you have. You didn't talk about it, but I don't want to. 10k goal? No, not not the goal. Not about the project. But I don't want to put you out there if you don't want to. I want me to put you out there. What? Put it out. You told me you want to be a therapist. Oh yeah, yeah. You didn't even talk oh, yeah, about that. We this is a mental health podcast. Look at you getting closer to my. You haven't talked about that. <laughs> we've so been recording for fifty four minutes. Yeah. You have not been talking about Yo, that the whole time. Right, damn, fifty four minutes. Yeah, oh wow. So yeah, I am working on my credentials to actually become um, a licensed therapist because I'm a licensed social worker. Okay. Um, but yeah, I want to. I want to be able to conduct my own clinical sessions. So I'm working on that. So hopefully for 2020, I'm thinking. 
March, I put my paperwork in, okay. so hopefully, you know, March 2022, we're looking at some one-on-one sessions with me, um, and I'm going to work for Black Men Heal. Yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, I got hired to be one of their therapists. Um, What's that so, process like? What's the process for you getting licensed and stuff? How long is that? So it's different for everyone. Okay. So I don't even, so, and okay. it's different state to state. Okay. So, so you would have state. to, yeah, yeah. Just look on your state website to see what um, credentials you'll need in order to become licensed. Um, but definitely a master's degree. Usually in most states. Okay. I wouldn't say okay. anything lower. Than master's. Any other, yeah. So you definitely. ready for all that? That's a lot. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I'm okay. so excited. Like I said, I'm. I've fallen in love with black men. I want to okay. help heal black men. Um. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, I yeah. mean, you, you, you're confident. It's like you can. This okay. is my we, lane. we need more black therapists. There's not enough of us. Yeah. Um, of them, not me. I'm not one. I'm just a. I'm just a speaker. But no, they're they're. We need more. So I, I really admire that that yeah. you're going to say, look, hey, social work is great, but I want to level up. I want to yeah, do a little bit. Sure. I want to do that much more. So. Yeah, I want more of that one-on-one time with people. You know, giving them Trying that safe space. Like yeah, really building yeah. a safe safe spaces are so important. Yeah. You know so. I want to keep that going. And then will you still get your... Because, you, see, what, what's important, right? What I find, at least from the therapists and the doctors that I talk to, even though they have patients, they still are a patient. They Listen. never forget themselves. Like, Listen. <laughs> how, how do you feel about that? Listen, I I don't foresee myself stopping therapy okay. ever. Like, okay. it's my... I don't... Because I'm not, like... I don't take medication. Okay. I'm not, like, okay. big on that. Yeah. I need therapy. Mm-hmm. I will never not go to therapy. Even when I become a therapist, I'll probably... Even want therapy even more. Uh, I'm not one of those people. I don't think I'm strong. Like, mm-hmm. After last year, I know I can break. You know, okay. I, I don't I don't take my strength for granted, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to stay strong. I, and I hate the word strong, but I want to continue to be able to hold myself up. So, yeah, therapy for sure. I think that's a powerful yeah. message to share for, for the women. We have 63% of our listeners and women. Um, there, there's nothing wrong with therapy. Again, therapy may not work for everyone, mm-hmm. but also understand, too, my, my good friend, Dr. Jackson, she wrote a book called About about Couch Therapy. Um, but that may not be for everybody. No. So um, ther- therapy might come in different forms. Maybe yes. someone does some holistic things or they, they travel, they go into nature mm-hmm. to do different things. You talked about yoga. Whatever works for you, but just do something. Yes, do some, something. Some form of self-care, some form of activity to just kind of breathes life into you to make Absolutely. sure that you're the best you. Because once you're the best you, that Everybody enables you to be a uh, bomb a uh, podcaster, a bomb blogger, mm-hmm. a social worker, a great mother, a great daughter, right? Like for you to be able to overcome through all the obstacles you're going through, um, for you keeping yourself balanced and regulated, I think that's very important and admirable. Right. And hopefully someone listening will feel the same way. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And thank you for your listeners. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. Um, I see you project. Yes, how can it? Yeah, we'll conclude there. Like where can this, uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier your website, but tell them where they can find you on social media, where they can find you on the website, how can they donate to the cause, all that good okay. stuff. So you can find me on social media at Mecca X Imani dot, uh, sorry, Mecca X Imani. Mm-hmm. It's M-E-C-C-A-X-I-M-A-N-I. And then my website, MeccaImani.com. Um, and donations can be sent via MeccaImani.com. Um, email me, or you can send a check to South Jersey Coping Clinic. Um, I, you can email me, and I can tell you how to do that. However you feel safe donating, please donate. I have cash at Venmo, so you have options. Um, okay. And my email is Mecca at MeccaImani.com. <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure we put all your links in the episode notes when episode drop. Congratulations. You are a, Thank you. our final episode. Well, first of all, before we get to episode, this congratulations, Queen, on, on your success, on your journey, on everything that you're doing for yourself and for the kids. That's powerful, right? Keep going. Thank you. Keep, don't stop in your journey. So thank you so much for what you're doing. You're inspiring all of us. And to also thank you for being our final yes. guest, our final episode. I knew we had been planning this conversation since the day we met yeah. three months ago. And I was like, I wanted this to be the last yeah. conversation. So I this still- will be the last episode of the year. Um, and thank you for we're going to be me. back in 2022 with more, with more episodes. But uh, this has been great. Thank you for having me, Justin. And I'm uh, proud of your platform. So thank you. Hey, you're, thank you're you welcome. Your My pleasure. I see you project. Y'all go support Mecca Amani. This has been another episode of the Mental Wealth Podcast. And uh, wow, we did it. Season one complete 30 episodes, an even number, uh, an age that I'm going to turn next year. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, man. From April 16th, 2021 to now, um, I'm just so proud of what we've done. Thank you again to my guest, Mecca Amani, for just uh, being an amazing, amazing um, host there with me for that last episode and welcoming in all the listeners, all of Mecca Amani's friends and family, those who are listening to this episode. Hopefully you stay and subscribe and come back and listen to uh, future episodes of the Mental Wealth Podcast. We're so excited. Um, about what's to come. We're going to keep this short because I want to get you out of here. Um, I, I purposely did not record an intro. I wanted it to be raw, go right into the to the, uh, to the interview, the conversation there was so beautiful. I'll say just a few things. Uh, 2022, we are coming strong. Uh, I won't announce the date when we'll return yet because partially I don't know yet. <laughs> There's no I have episodes recorded in the talk ready to go, um, locked and loaded, and I'll still be recording. I'll still be working over the next couple of weeks or so. Um, I just don't know if we're going to come back in January or February. Just got some personal things in my personal life to take care of and just take care of me, self-care, self-love, those types of things, protect my energy, um, give myself a chance to reset. But I'm so excited about what's to come. Um, so one thing I will say, I won't um, put all the information out there, but a little bit of taste is just a few days ago, I was asked to be a part of the board of directors for a huge nonprofit charity that focuses on suicide prevention and education for children. Um, a little hint, I interviewed one of the persons from that charity on this podcast and one of our 30 episodes, and now I've been asked to be a part of that organization. And oh my goodness, um, it is so exciting and looking forward to getting on some conference calls and helping elevate and bringing that to the podcast and having that as a tool in my tool belt to really help educate people and to bring that message of awareness and prevention all across the world. So uh, to be at my age, to be on a board of directors is so huge. So that's just, again, I'll announce the name and the people involved when you hear from me again, but that's just the preview of some of the amazing things that we have coming in store next year. I've just been so blessed and thankful to have each of you guys. Um, I'm humbled because this has been something truly that has saved my life, that has kept me here through all my ups and downs. This is my child. This is my baby. Um, I've sacrificed a lot for this pod, um, but it means that much to me. And I know that it's for a good purpose. Not only has it saved me, but it's saved others. And that's why I'm here as your servant, as just someone that can provide um, this for you. So Love and light to everyone. I want to leave you guys with a couple of thoughts. One, while I'm gone, subscribe, uh, share it with a friend, go back and listen to old episodes. Maybe, you know, life happens. Maybe you missed the episode along the way. Go back and make sure you play that episode for me, stream those episodes because old episodes of the Mental Wealth Podcast, even from months ago, are still doing numbers, still streaming high, uh, which helps us to see that we're getting new people discovering us each and every day. And hopefully those who are going back in the catalog will then lick, uh, listen and see how rough around the edges we were back early in the year, but how we've invested, we built up the platform, uh, our sound is better, and our messaging is better, our branding is better, and we've just leveled up. And I'm just really so proud of where we come. So hopefully, if you listen to the first episode, back to this episode, hopefully you see a huge improvement in quality and messaging and everything that we've been doing. But yeah, stream our old episodes, re-listen, or catch up on the ones you've missed. And um, I mean, 30 full episodes, two bonus episodes out there, a lot of content to, to hold on to um, for the holidays and going into uh, the new year. But trust, we, we, we will excuse me, be back very, very soon with a, abundance, abundance of content ready and locked and loaded. want to leave you guys with a couple of thoughts. One, something I saw posted today from We Matter, I think my friend uh alana posted this today you're going to come in contact with an awful lot of people who are at their absolute breaking point this season friends family co-workers teachers strangers in the grocery store retail workers while it may be the merriest time of the year for some it's the saddest loneliest most stressful most heartbreaking for so many others we're all busy but we're not too busy to be kind caring and patient remember the best thing you can give someone right now is love and speaking of love, this leads me to my last little note for you guys to leave you with for this season and for this year. Fall in love with taking care of yourself. Fall in love with the path of deep healing. Fall in love with becoming the best version of yourself, but with patience, with compassion and respect to your own journey. I hope each and every one of you guys are going to take some time out to love on your most valuable asset, and that is yourself. Take the time to heal. 
take the time to grow and take the time to learn. It's been my honor being your podcast host this entire year. I'm wishing nothing but safety, love, peace, and healing to each and every one of you. Hug a loved one. Hug a friend. Tell them that you love them and care about them. We never know how much time we have left. Again, praying for safety throughout this year. We're going to see you in 2022. And remember one thing's for sure. I love you and there's nothing that you can do about it. I hear you. I see you. I feel you. My name is Justin Little. This is the Mental Wealth Podcast. And I'm complete.